Although the earliest evidence of martial arts goes back millennia, the true roots are difficult to reconstruct. Inherent patterns of human aggression, which inspire practice of mock combat and optimism of serious close combat as cultural universals are doubtlessly inherited from the pre-human stage and were made into an art from the earliest emergence of that concept. But indeed, many universals of martial art are fixed by the specifics of human physiology and not dependent on a specific tradition or era. Specific martial traditions become identifiable in classic antiquity with disciplines such as Shuai Jo, which is a Greek wrestling, or those described in the Indian epics or the spring and autumn annals of China. Martial arts can be divided into the armed and unarmed arts. The former include archery, spearmanship, and swordsmanship. The latter, which originated in China, emphasize striking with the feet and hands or grappling. In Japan, traditionally a warrior's training emphasized archery, swordsmanship, unarmed combat, and swimming in armor. The earliest evidence for specifics of martial arts as practiced in the past comes from depictions of fights, both figurative art and in early literature, besides analysis of archaeological evidence, especially of weaponry. The oldest work of art depicted in scenes of battle, dating back before 3400 BC, was the ancient Egyptian paintings showing some form of struggle. Dating back before 3000 BC in Mesopotamia or Babylon, reliefs and the poems depicting struggle were found. In Vietnam, drawings and sketches as far back as 2879 BC describe certain ways of combat using sword, stick, bow, and spears. The spear has been in use since the lower Paleolithic, big word for my little lips, and retained its central importance was into the second millennial AD. The bow appears in the upper Paleolithic and is likewise only gradually replaced by the crossbow and eventually firearms in the present day. True bladed weapons appear in the Neolithic with the stone axe and diversify in shape in the course of the Bronze Age, the kopesh, kopis, sword, and dagger. Some early examples of the depiction of wrestling techniques in a tomb of the Middle Kingdom of Egypt at Beni Hassan which is before 2000 BC, and pictorial representations of fist fighting in the Minoan civilization dating to the second millennial BC. In ancient China, the Yellow Emperor in 2698 BC is described as a famous general who, before becoming China's leader, wrote lengthy treaties on medicine, astrology, and the martial arts. Literary descriptions of combat became, began in the second millennial BC with mention of weaponry and combat in texts like the Gilgamesh epic or the Rigveda. Detailed description of late Bronze Age to early Iron Age hand-to-hand combat with spear, sword, and shield are found in the Iliad, which is the 8th century BC. Nice little history lesson there of martial arts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate, where we teach lessons for everyday survival in these trying times. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in, and I really appreciate it. If you're a fan of the show, thank you for your support. You all are awesome, and I appreciate you guys more than you know. If you want to talk to me live, this is a live call-in show, so if you want to make a comment, give a statement or your opinion, just click the Skype button on my website, or you can call in by using Skype through public streaming network. My website is aroundthecampfirewithkate.blogspot.com. The video you're about to watch is Byron Rogers from Executive Protection Lifestyle. He's teaching life lessons on being prepared for any given situation in self-defense. So watch and learn.
I talk a lot about leading with respect. I talk about a lot about how much size matters with violent altercations. Uh, this next event is going to give you a heads up on why we talk about those things. Talk about the psychology of bullies. Stand by. Two guys meet in a grocery store. There's some kind of problem, some kind of altercation. One guy gets disrespectful. Boom. And the other guy ends the altercation. So... <laughs> What can we learn from this situation? Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. My man's still trying to get up off the floor. He's, 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 he got clean. His clock got clean. He got slept, man. And this is something that can happen to you at any time on the streets, right? So let's dig in. I talk about leading with respect for a reason, right? Leading with respect uh, helps you not only... Um, in many ways, maintain the high ground in a violent altercation because the calmer you appear, uh, the more constructive you are, the higher it improves your chances of avoiding the violent altercation and going home with your family, not in cuffs or in a body bag, right? So leading with respect is important because it's not only tactical to stop violence, but also you never know who you're dealing with. You could be the baddest dude in the world. That dude with the jacket on could be an MMA head. He could have all the skills and everything. And in, in, in the world, but the one mistake it appears maybe he did make in this situation was he didn't really realize the moment when violence became the answer. As Tim Larkin says, go to protectorsymposium.com and train with us today on personal protection strategies from some of the most elite, awesome guys in the world. Um, from the comfort of your own home at our, or at our live events, but he didn't realize what this person would do next. And I talk about the reality that behind these eyes, you have no idea what someone is capable of or will do. Another thing you hear me talk about a lot is remember that anyone can kill you. Never forget, never disrespect, never think that because you're so big and bad or because you have a gun on your hip that you're um, unassailable, man, because anybody can kill you, right? So go on ahead and take a look at what happens here. This guy rolls up, he swells up, he's Looks like he's bigger than the other guy. Looks like he's hard. You can tell by his body language, just the way he's holding himself, the way he's holding himself, the way he's stiff like this, the, the angle he's taking, right? The way he's holding his shoulders, the angle he's taking at, towards this guy. Are, our, uh, our, our kind of victim of violence here is intelligent. He's bladed himself. That's smart. All his vital organs right now are essentially protected. He's got his shoulder and his extremity uh, exposed. However, he does have this right arm loaded, and he's loaded and he's ready to rock to come back with a strike if he needs to, anywhere he needs to, to go ahead and engage this guy. So what my man here is probably so big and bad that he's not seeing is the re reality that his defense hand right now is occupied so he's going to be a little bit behind the power curve this guy is actually in a perfect position to strike him uh if and when it comes to that and hopefully it doesn't but we all know it does right so these are just little things you can look at both of his feet are directly aimed at uh the person that he's in aiming to intimidate. He's taking up the most space. He's trying to look like the biggest item here in the environment. These are just small alpha moves that are taking place right in front of us that we can start understanding. This is the stuff that Yusuf Badu teaches to help you stay left and bang ahead of violence so you don't uh, end up behind the power curve. He kicks the guy. Tim Larkin, one of our other main instructors, talks about this. Understand that in violence, it is a race to do the most damage to someone. Kicking the guy, offending the guy, this offensive little thing he does right here might hurt the guy. He's trying to punk the guy out. He's still trying to uh, have a psychological win. But our guy here uh, on the right is actually a combatant, and he doesn't recognize it. And this is a very seductive thing to fall into because you might be big enough to where you never actually get engaged by people. People always cower when they come in contact with you because you're this big, bad dude. I understand it, but you can never think that you're so big and bad that you're never going to get chin checked, right? So my dude, boom, hits him. Perfect strike, rattles the jaw. Boom, perfect strike. If you want to understand knocking someone out, this right here is very important. You can see where our striker makes contact. Boom, there it is in slow motion. Right there on the on the jaw, this is going to cause uh, this individual's brain 
to rattle inside of his skull, smack up against the side of his skull. He's turning this guy off. That's the off button right there. So that movement right there knocks him out. Our guy here's got his other hand up, completely protecting the side of his face. Uh, our friend here is probably a boxer. He has at least some experience with boxing. He's covering himself up, and he's striking simultaneously, and he has pinpoint accuracy, uh, and our... Uh, big bad bully doesn't see it coming. One psychological disadvantage the bullies have is that they think because they're bigger and badder, maybe that the person that they're attacking won't attack the attacker. It's actually a very big psychological disadvantage causes them very often not to see the counter ambush coming or even the ambush depending on where we're at in the uh, spectrum of the altercation. He takes this guy down, quick work, done. And then he lets off some steam. This I would not suggest if you're trying to be the good guy, you gotta remember you're always trying to sell the fact that you have the moral high ground, right? So yes, you're angry, yes, you're you're flooded, but do not kick the guy after he's down. The second an individual stops being a threat is the second the altercation ends. Remember you need to be able to sell this on video and you in court doing this right here. Boom is not going to make you look good. It's going to it's going to make your case a lot more difficult for you to come out unscathed. You did pretty good up until that point. This individual did physically uh, uh, attack him with that kick, so he could say that he was dealing, doing self defense. But I'll let the lawyers run you through that. In terms of tactical protection uh, tactics and what we can take away from this altercation, uh, I think this guy did a pretty good job defending himself. And remember, anyone can kill you. Don't be a bully. Lead with respect, okay? It may help to learn and understand how to knock somebody out. Train with us at the Protector Symposium. Go to ProtectorSymposium.com. Hit the link. I do not advocate violence. Yet if violence come to me, I will do everything that I can to meet that violence with violence. On this broadcast tonight, I will explain several methods of how to kill a man with your bare hands. If you choose to use any of these methods, I, my producer, Public Streaming Network, and all affiliates are held harmless and are indemnified from any outcome from what you choose to do. This information is for educational purposes only and should not be construed or used as instructional purposes on a professional basis. I advocate training with a qualified professional. So let's talk about how to kill a man with your bare hands and what you must know. Now, if you're listening to this, something has probably already gone horribly wrong. Maybe you're under attack. You don't have a gun. You don't even have a baseball bat. But you have your hands and you have your brain. And luckily for you, your brain is an incredible weapon. You can use it to learn an assortment of ways to disarm, disable, or even kill a larger better armed opponent. If you need to use lethal force, you cannot afford to second guess yourself. You need to go on the offensive and stay there until you win. You don't stop if your attacker has had enough or he taps out. Do not change your tactics and try to reason with your attacker halfway through. This is not the movies. They're running on pure adrenaline at this point and you the techniques, especially Brazil Lian Jitsu, teach you how to immobilize an attacker so you can take stock of your situation from a position of strength. Until they're on the ground and unable to move, do not stop. Keep attacking. Use your speed, your strength, and your knowledge. Too many people lose the upper hand because they hold back. Again, I advocate getting training with a qualified professional, such as like Marcus Torgerson, who was on the show uh, Thursday night. Seek him out. Learn from him. Seek out Byron Rogers. He is a professional. Learn from him. Another way is scream for your life. You know, we're taught not to cry, not to whimper, not to be a coward. It's like you're a coward because you cry. Well, I was raised with nine older brothers. What they were taught, 
I was taught. If you're defending your life, throw everything that you were taught out the window. It's time to use your voice to your advantage. Scream. Use the full power of your lungs and don't stop until what you're doing with your hands and your screaming renders your opponent harmless or dead. But Kate, I don't want to kill anybody. I'm not wanting you to kill somebody. But if it's kill or be killed, you you have to make a decision. For one thing, it's going to scare and intimidate your your the your attacker for at least five seconds. Take advantage of those five seconds. If there's one thing we've learned from the movies, it's that only the crazy people attack while they're screaming. Make them regret coming after you by making them worry that they've picked the wrong crazy person to pick on. And for another thing, the act of screaming gives you power, literally. It increases your blood flow and pumps more oxygen into your bloodstream. You'll be both stronger and more alert. And third, let's be honest. If you're in a life and death situation, you could possibly use some help. Screaming attracts attention, which increases your chances that someone will try and help you out. Your goal is to survive, not to be cool and then dead. There are six deadly disciplines of the world. Um, If you're not Jason Bourne and James Bond, your best bet is to get some training. Karate is great training for killer action movies, but if you want killer real-life Movies, there are six disciplines that you will that will make sure anyone who attacks you will go down and stay down. So let's co- cover those six deadly disciplines of martial arts. Sambo, which is Russian. Russia has produced a fighting discipline of unrivaled physical prowess. Sambo is a Russian acronym for a phrase that literally translates to self-defense without weapons. Because I don't think I can pronounce the S-A-M-B-O. They blend the kind of folk wrestling performed by people who have beauty pageants for goats with some Japanese judo and Russian red army hand-to-hand combat. The end result is a no-holds-barred hold, discipline designed to take your enemy down and keep them from ever getting up again. It lacks any of the elegance of normal martial arts. Because if you're fighting for your life, it isn't pretty. Most Sambo videos that you find look like a bare-knuckle, back-alley boxing match, which was interrupted by a wrestling coach. Sambo teaches you how to avoid injury while getting the other person on the ground and immobilizing them fast. Attacking a Sambo practitioner with a a knife is a good way to get your throat cut. And not that they need to, because with practice, it's frighteningly easy for someone skilled at Sambo to take you down and humiliatingly tap all the dangerous parts of your body as a reminder that they could kill you at their leisure at any moment. Much like karate and any other martial arts, Sambo has a hierarchy of levels ranging from novice, it's also known as people thrown around like a ragdoll, to distinguished grandmaster which is the deceptively bored-looking elderly man sporting giant mustaches and pot bellies who can take a knife away from a 20-year-old, press that flat blade against his throat, and drop some cigarette ash in the eyes all in under 10 seconds. If you are looking for a deadly discipline, Sambo is a good choice for people with bad backs and strong legs. You don't need to be gracefully limber. 
but you do need to be comfortable wrapping your leg around an attacker's torso while you take them down. The other one is Muay Thai from Thailand. If you think that you only have four limbs, then you haven't paid attention to those hinges halfway down your arms and legs. Muay Thai, also known as the art of eight limbs, treats knees and elbows with as much respect as it does hands and feet. That's one heck of an advantage against an untrained opponent. Someone coming at you with a knife isn't expecting you to knee them in the jaw, grab their shoulders for balance, then kick them in the gut while you happen to have your leg already up there anyway. It is brutal. Muay Thai began as a way for soldiers to defend themselves if they lost their swords. And it quickly developed a reputation for being the worst than stabbing. One of the drawbacks of Muay Thai is the person on the offensive will end up pretty darn bloody because all those brutal blows take their toll on fragile hands and knees. But on the other hand, the legend has it, a sufficiently advanced practitioner can use it to take down a buffalo. Muay Thai isn't subtle or graceful. It's all about giving an attacker such a brutal beating that they never give up, get up again. Imagine all the rules of boxing designed to protect athletes. Muay Thai considers them an instruction manual for success. You can specialize in learning advanced techniques from attacking people with your elbows, knees, feet, and fists. Since most people who participate in mixed martial arts don't end up in the hospital, that sport is sometimes trotted out as an example of watered-down Muay Thai. If you don't have any joint troubles, you aren't bothered by the sight of blood, and have some serious anger issues, Muay Thai is an excellent discipline for protecting yourself and your loved ones. MCMAP, right here in the United States of America. The United States Marines jokingly calls this Semper Fu. Up until the 1980s, the Marines practiced the L-I-N-E system, which is the Linear Infighting Neuro Override Engagement, L-I-N-E. The problem was line was that it was too deadly. By the 1990s, the Marines were being sent into increasingly dangerous places where they were expected to pacify people without putting them six feet under. If you'd rather kill your attacker than risk them getting up again, find some Marine vets willing to teach you line. The newer Marine Corps martial arts program is a kinder, gentler version of line, which trains the Marines to do anything from cause severe pain to functionally destroy whatever body part they attack. The Marines are trained to not only use their bodies, but also to find objects in their environment, like rocks and bricks and sticks, as well as knives and all parts of a gun that don't go bang. This is a good discipline for people who might end up in a situation where their attackers are confused. If your attacker might be under the influence of drugs, mental disability, or frightening trauma, then the MCMAP is a good way to quickly stop an attack without necessarily killing them. Because MCMAP has a huge focus on teamwork. If you're attacked by a larger, better armed group, the MCMAP teaches you how to take down the most dangerous people first while still leaving you in good enough shape to handle, handle whoever comes at you next. Then there's the Silat from Malaysia. Honor and fairness are for people who aren't busy fighting for their lives. Silat is Malaysia's ongoing response to countless waves of invaders. 
unlike karate or taekwondo, there's no pretense at it having the spiritual side. The Malaysians paid close attention to every wave of invaders, adopting the most useful parts of all their fighting techniques until they ended up with silat. Both Malaysian and Indonesian soldiers were taught silat for centuries. If someone attacks you, the goal is to close the distance fast, keep them off their guard, and take them down quickly, then delivering a killing blow before they can call for help. This all happens in a matter of seconds. There's no shame in attacking from behind and stabbing someone when you are being attacked. Since it was the functional part of war for centuries, training also included pain tolerance techniques. Unlike Thai, Silat training includes the use of a dagger. Considering how much Sambo practitioners pride themselves on their ability to disarm an attacker, it would be very interesting for me to see a fight between people trained in Sambo and Silat. Silat is best for younger people with good reflexes, well-oiled joints, and a few pre-existing aches and pains. Escrima from the Philippines. Escrima is a deceptive martial art. It can look like harmless dancing or some lightning-fast play with a couple of sticks, right up until the point when someone takes you out. Escrima has to be carefully disguised as harmless folk art because the Catholic Church banned it for for 450 years. Magellan, of globe-mapping fame, Magellan, converted an entire Philippine tribe to Catholicism. The neighbors took the change personally. They hamstrung him, then used Escrima to beat him so savagely, even the people behind the Spanish Inquisition were horrified. The Filipinos quickly learned to disguise Escrima as a folk dance whenever Spaniards were around. One of the really useful things about Escrima is the way it teaches people to use the same motions barehanded with sticks or with blades and always come out resulting in deadly force. People know Escrima for the distinctive short sticks, but knocking them away doesn't disarm the practitioner. It just frees their hands for the new levels of brutal violence. There's a fast-paced Hong Kong movie that makes Escrima appealing to people who want a dramatic fighting style. However, when two people who know the techniques go up against one another, they typically both come away seriously bloodied. You can do incredible damage with hands, sticks, or knives. But the result is that you're going to take a beating, too. Then there's Israeli Krav Maga. Krav Maga is what happens when movies meet real life. It starts with the assumption, the assumption that you, an unarmed innocent, will be attacked by a group of people armed with guns, knives, and some extra weapons hidden away that you can't see. It ends with you disarming them, disabling them, and running the heck away before they can call for help. It was developed in the 1930s to help the Jewish people survive and flee the Nazi attacks. After the creation of Israel, it was adopted by the Israeli Defense Forces. Because of its focus on real-world situations, it's popular with quite a few other national defense forces around the world. Unlike Sambo, with its emphasis on wrestling your opponent to the ground, Krav Maga stresses keeping off the ground 
at all costs. Once you're down, you are vulnerable to being kicked to death by a crowd of attackers. Therefore, the goal is to use low kicks to vulnerable areas like feet and shins and a variety of punches and a huge emphasis on flowing naturally between offense and defense as you disarm your attackers. One of the things that really sets Krav Maga apart is the encouragement to disable your attackers enough to run away. Sure, you should be able to take on half dozen knife-wielding attackers, but there's no illusion that you can outlast them all. Disarm them, get to safety, and regroup with allies. Then you can take them down permanently. Krav Maga also always assumes that you are unarmed and your attackers have multiple weapons. This means you do not carry a weapon. Other people do it for you. Once you've disarmed someone, there's training on how to use their gun or their knife against them. The huge emphasis on surviving real modern attacks makes Krav Maga the most versatile and useful of the six deadly disciplines. And there are a few situations in which a well-trained practitioner couldn't survive. The eight natural weapons telling you to take Krav Maga or Sambo course this winter is useless if you're attacked tomorrow. Luckily, your body already comes equipped with surprisingly useful self-defense tools in the form of your hands, feet, knees, and teeth. If you know how to use them properly, you can do some serious harm to an untrained attacker. Let's hit the knife edge of your hand. If you're in close quarters and have some leverage, use the broad outer edge of your hand in a fast, hard blow against the temple of your attacker. Let's be honest. You'll probably have to do this a few times. The goal is to crush the artery and the nerves close to the surface. If you use an open hand or a closed fist in a punch, you'll create a wide surface area, diffusing your impact. You want a narrow, focused, sharp blow. If you hit just the right spot, you can either give your attacker a debilitating concussion, or if you're spot on, you can kill them outright. An untrained person will have some difficulty finding the right spot, though. So assume you're going to go in for the concussion and you just might get lucky. This is where training comes in. And I cannot emphasize enough. You need to find a qualified professional that can train you. Fingers folded at the second joint or the knuckle. Ribs are a whole lot more fragile than people think. Punch so your fingers are folded at the second knuckle and you have good odds of achieving the kind of sharp force necessary to break a rib. A wider blow will only bruise them, but fair warning. While this will hurt an attacker more than you, you're still going to come away with a sore, bruised hand. The protruding knuckle of your second finger. Find the solar plexus where the rib cage ends and the fleshly part of the stomach begins. Use the power of your entire torso to punch right in that fleshy part. With your hand bracing and protruding knuckle of your second finger, the bundle of nerves located there is buried deep, but they are still vulnerable. A solid blow there will leave your attacker doubled over in severe pain 
and possibly leading to unconsciousness. The heel of your hand. Now you've seen it in movies. The action hero braces his arm and shoves the flat part of his palm along someone's face, hitting the nose from the bottom up and driving the cartilage into the brain, killing them instantly. Believe it or not, this can happen in real life. Realistically, an untrained person is more likely to break someone's nose than they are into the brain. But however, think about your nose. It's full of nerve endings. Do not consider it a failure if you merely leave them bloodied and in a world of pain. They've stopped attacking you. Now you can take a breath and think about your next move. Your boot. What can't you do with your boot? Remember in Krav Maga, one of the greatest goals is to avoid going down to the ground. Once you're down, it's easy to kick you to death. If you're in durable boots, kick the front of their shin in an attempt to break it. So you have to kick it with force. If you're going to fight for your life, you don't want to kick like a six-year-old. Step in the middle of their foot to damage the arch. Do whatever it takes to get them to the ground. Once they're down, a stomp to the nerve-filled mouth will set off a fireworks of pain. A swift kick to the temple, the same place you were attacking earlier with the knife edge of your hand, has a good chance of concussing or killing someone. If your attacker is male, never forget the power of a solid kick to the groin. It won't kill him, but it'll keep him down for a while until you work on your next move and get the heck out of Dodge. Your elbows. The elbow is a hard, angled, blunt object. You can use it against someone's face the same way that you can use the flat of your palm. Slamming it into someone's throat is also incredibly effective. The drawback is necks are small and arms are big. If you miss, you are giving your attacker your entire arm as leverage to use against you. It is best to use when either your attacker's face or a soft, fleshly place is exposed. Don't be shy about scuttling backwards after your attack to make sure it was effective and go back in for another round. Now you can take a breath and plan your next move. If not, move back. Moving back just prevented your attacker from grabbing your arm. Surprise him and go back in for another attack. Do not stop until your attacker has been subdued. Your knees. Knees can do incredible damage. Knees are well known for effectiveness in the groin. If you grab your attacker's head, bring it down hard on your knees. It has all kinds of dangerous repercussions. Depending on the speed and angle, they might do anything from bite through their tongue to a concussion. And what I mean by that is if you can grab their head and slam their head down as you bring your knee up to their head or their face, that is what you need to do. If you are behind your opponent, using your knees to push them to the ground or pin them to the ground gives you an instant advantage. Get them down and you 
are in control. Your teeth. Now, from an early age, we're taught not to bite. Then people don't expect it. But if you're in a life and death situation, when your face is anywhere close to another person, open your mouth and chomp down. Chomp down hard. You can do serious damage biting someone's nose or ear. In addition to the shock value, there are simple nerves or ample nerves wherever you bite. Plus, your attacker will face a sudden fear that they've been disfigured in the face. People are very vain. They want to keep their face from being disfigured. If you're down and being kicked, try to grab the person's foot and bite hard into the back of the ankle. At the very least, you will cause severe pain. At the most, you'll sever a nerve running along the back of the leg and down into the ankle, leaving them unable to walk. Like I said, if these are life and death situations, you do everything that you can to fight back. If you do end up on the ground, bring your feet and your legs up. Kick. Kick as much as you can. Fight back. Just because you are down does not mean that you're out. Get your legs up in the air and start doing a bicycle kick. Kick any part that comes near you. The clinch. The goal here is to get so close that they can't get any leverage for a punch. Once you've deprived them of that basic street attack, you take them down. You do this by moving in fast with your arms, raised up around your head, fists out. You create a confusing target and protect your face from attack. When you close in, Sweep your arms out like you're a swimmer doing the breaststroke. While your arms are out, use each hand to grab a bicep. Brace your head against your attacker's chest and use the leverage you've created to pull their arms down around their back. This also puts you close enough to wrap a leg around their nearest leg, immobilizing them. You are now in control of one or both of their arms and one of their legs. They cannot kick or punch you. And this is a good time to call for help. If they do manage to be able to fight you back, trip them, take them down, and start punching. The rear takedown. Once you have someone in the clinch, you can sweep their immobilized leg, taking them to the ground. Like I said, again, if these are life and death situations, if you are walking out of the mall or out of Walmart or out of your grocery store and you are getting attacked, you are not going to want to just stand there and let them punch you. You need to learn to fight back. We are living in this day and age where we have to fight back. Because if we do not, they can kill you. I have seen mothers walk out with their children of a grocery store. And I've seen the mothers get attacked. And they just stand there. But if they attack a child, that's my child. If they attack that child, that mother is on them. That is the same type of mentality that you need to have if they come after you. You are your own child. So be the mother bear to protect yourself. If you cannot protect yourself, how are you going to protect a child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew? Now let's hit the top 10 Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu moves. Brazilian 
jiu-jitsu has been used by police since the 1980s. With a little bit of training, someone who is not in shape can still hold off an average attacker long enough for help to arrive. If you are in a life-and-death situation and you haven't had time to take Krav Maga, this is a good alternative. Like they teach in Krav Maga, the goal here is to always get your opponent on the ground. Once you're down, you're done. You still have to fight back, but you're done. If you're under attack, getting your opponent down to the ground gives you time to either call for help or formulate your next move to form a position of strength. The mount. When your opponent is safely on the ground, simply sit on their chest and hold your arms down. Gravity and leverage work in your favor. From this position, you can typically typically hold down someone noticeably heavier. Be patient while they thrash around. The more they kick around, the more they exhaust themselves. And it makes it easier for them to control. The black mount. The black mount is exactly the same as the mount, except your attacker is face down on their stomach. You can get them down in this position. You'll have a better advantage. It's nearly impossible to get up when someone is sitting on your back like they're a human turtle shell. The closed guard. If an attacker knocks you to the ground, do your best to pull them down with you. If they're on top of you, punching or attacking in other ways, keep your head bowed to your chest in order to protect your face. Use your arms not to deflect the blows, but to distract, luring their attention upwards. While you have them distracted, wrap your legs around their torso and pull them down. From here, reach up and grab the back of their head, pushing hard. You can trap them in an awkward position where it's impossible to sit up or move their head. It's hard to hold this for long, though. So start calling for help. The Kimura. If you're in the closed guard and need more leverage, unhook your legs, sit halfway up, and reach between your attacker's arms and ribs to grab their wrist. Pull hard. This should put their head in their elbow and their arm under your leg. You can hold them that way for long duration more easily than with the closed guard. The open guard. If you're a lot smaller or weaker than your attacker, you may need to switch to the open guard. Brace your shoulders and head against the ground. Bring your hands up to your chest to protect your face. You have your legs around their waist. Now scoot your butt back and try to move further up their chest. The goal here is to keep them pinned while you wait for help, but also keep their fists away from your face and neck. The cross side. You can look all of these up. You can Google search them, DuckDuckGo search. You can look all of these up and learn these. The cross side. If you have your attacker on the ground, face up, try pinning at least one arm under their back while you you lay across their chest. You're using simple weight to keep them under control. And sometimes that's all it takes. The nasion. This is the classic blow to the brain. If you're in a life or death situation, try to avoid crushing the nation with a brick or a baseball bat. 
It will leave a nasty scar, but it will heal. You want to drive it up into the brain for instant lethal damage. Use the flat of the palm or the base of a baseball bat. The knee mount. If your attacker is on the ground, face up, you can put your knee in their chest and lean in hard. Remember to scoot down far enough that you're not putting pressure on their ribs or sternum. The goal here is immobilization, not a broken rib cage. It's surprisingly easy to do. The rear carotid restraint. This is a classic television restraint. Wrap your arms around your your attacker's neck, immobilizing their head. Meanwhile, pull your arm tight around their neck. It helps to reach up as high as you can and grab a fistful of your own shirt as an anchor. Put your free hand behind their head and push it forward. At this point, they can barely breathe. They're not going to go anywhere. Now let's hit the top 25 kill zones and techniques. You can look up, like I said, any of these. And you can learn. But learning off of the internet or off of a video is not the same as learning from a qualified professional. Let's start with the temple. You have two of them, one on each side of your head. It's a little bundle of nerves and a major blood vessels. With the right blow, especially with a boot, you can kill somebody instantly. The philterm. This is the thin flap of skin between the top of your upper lip and the bottom of your nose. And it is full of all kinds of dangerous little nerve endings. You can actually kill yourself by sneezing too hard and pinching it there. Imagine what you can do with a well-placed kick or a hard, fast elbow slam to that area. Hook to the jaw. If you're strong enough, a powerful blow to the front of the jaw can snap a person's neck, killing them instantly. There's a reason that in boxing, this particular punch is sometimes called the Widowmaker. The Adam's Apple. A sharp, hard blow to the Adam's Apple can crush the windpipe, making it impossible for your attacker to breathe. Small of the back. A solid kick or a power drive with the elbow can cause instant spinal damage, often leading to death. The cerebellum base. At the other end of the spine, a hard, fast blow just before the skull can knock it off the spine, causing instant damage and possibly death. The half Nelson. This is the same as the full Nelson, except one of your arms is preoccupied by restraining one of the attacker's arms. The brain buster. If you're fighting indoors, no, sorry, if you're fighting outdoors on concrete or gravel, pull your attacker toward you. Now grab their belt or the loops of their jeans. Use leverage to haul them into the air. Fall backwards onto your back. This should result in them literally going heels up and slamming their head into the concrete. Gravity and the combined weight of both your bodies should crumble their neck. This is the only time that I would say in martial arts that you allow yourself to go down. Testicles. While rare, a powerful enough blow to the testicles can cause so much pain 
that the person can go into shock and die. The worst case, you have them on the ground where you can do a world of other damage. Do not be afraid to kick a male or a female in the groin. The coccyx. If you kick the tailbone inwards and upwards hard enough to break it, the shock to the spine and the nerves can be fatal. The full Nelson. If you can get behind your attacker, put your arms underneath theirs like you're coming in for a cuddly hug, then shove their arms upward like they're about to put their hands on top of their heads. This gives you the leverage to push their head forward and snap their neck. The Russian omelet. If your enemy is on the ground, cross their legs, fold them in half by pinning their shoulders to the ground and then pinning their legs to their shoulders. Then sit on their legs, bouncing hard on the base of the spine. If you bounce hard enough, this can break their back and it can kill them. The heart punch. If you're incredibly strong, a single hard blow to the chest can crumble a person's heart. This often does not work, but it is dramatic when it does. The uppercut. This is a good underdog punch. Come at them from, come at them from below, swinging hard and causing their neck to snap upwards with enough force. This single blow can prove fatal. This, the, the abdomen, pummel someone in their gut hard enough and eventually you'll damage some organs to the point of organ failure. The rib cage. Remember, all the advice from earlier on not damaging someone's rib, rib cage, reverse that. Damaging the ribs can not only cause pain, but also potentially puncture a lung or another organ leading to fatal complications. A head-to-wall punch. If you've backed your attacker up near, but not directly against a hard wall, a sufficiently violent punch can bounce their head off that wall, shattering part of their skull. You need to be both pretty strong and pretty angry to pull this off, but at the very least, you'll give them a very dangerous concussion a pinned drop kick this is one of those dramatic movie poses which actually works it's hard to get into but surprisingly effective from behind grab the person's arms pull them straight back kick the base of their spine as hard as you can this has the potential to sever the spine killing them the head wrench. This is another movie action which can work if it's done right. It's not as easy as Hollyweird makes it look, but you can grab someone by both sides of the head, turn fast and sharp, snapping their spine and killing them instantly. The chokehold. Wrap your right arm over their right shoulder. Wrap your left over their left shoulder, then reach across their neck and grab your right arm. If you apply enough pressure, you can break the windpipe and crush their neck. The head yank. Bend your attacker forward, grab their head, and quickly pull it backwards as hard as you can. This can snap the spine. The ears. In rare cases, simultaneously, clapping both hands hard over a person's ears can rupture their eardrums and lead to death. Most of the time, it'll nearly disorient them to buy you time to plan your next move. And kidneys. There's large nerves that branch off of the kidneys. If you pummel someone enough time and hard enough to damage the kidneys, you can kill them. And the eyes. You know the classic Three Stooges maneuver? Point your fingers in a V and poke into a person's eye. 
You might drive them away. You might blind them. And if you do it with enough force, you might hit the optic nerve and kill them from shock. Like I said, I advocate that each individual seek professional training and learn skills on how to protect yourself in case violence tries to take you down. We are living in the day and age where violence is everywhere. Anyone can be a target. Anyone. This ends the broadcast for me tonight. Thank you for joining me around my campfire where embers are hot and the glow from the fire has melted away snow around the ring. Remember, to train hard, train smart, to survive, thrive, and stay alive. And this is Kate, signing off until next time. <laughs>